0: Well, good morning, church. For those of us in the sanctuary, True Worth, and online, we want to say a special welcome to you. I am so excited to be here with you today as we wrap up our series, We Can Do More Together. We worship together, we grow together, and we get to talk about my favorite topic, we serve together. I heard a definition years ago that has really stuck with me, and the definition is, that a volunteer serves when it is convenient for them, but a servant serves when it is convenient for other people. And I am so proud to be part of the local church. This past Monday was a heavy day, but so many people showed up when you didn't know what to say, you didn't know what to do, because they showed up when it was inconvenient for them. And we were able to extend love and grace. To people that walk in our door, that may be the only moment they get to encounter Christ. We hope they come back, but I just, I'm so thankful to be a part of this community. Today we are actually going to talk about another community in the church of Corinth. And if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We would love to place a Bible in your hand. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can go there now. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a little bit of conversation now. Raise your hand high. We would love to put one in your hand. Okay, so I have to be really real with you. When I think about we can do more together when we serve together, my go-to emotion is not, yay, let's do more things with people. In fact, the introvert in me sometimes thinks, oh, no, 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 I definitely can do more without them. Oh, I can definitely do more without you. I think about the the hustle and bustle of getting kids back to school. My kids are 13 and 9. I just started asking people to help me pick up my kids. Why? Because it's even hard for us to ask for people to do more with us, right? It's hard when we think about this concept. We can do more together. Um, I, I think about, you know, we've all got holidays coming up. Do you ever feel like you're having to play Tetris with your life during the holidays? We're going to have brunch here, breakfast here, we're going to have lunch, we're going to have dinner, and then the next day, it's just crazy, right? And maybe it's just me, but sometimes my default is, gosh, I could just do more without people. I remember when I was in the dating game, I was a terrible person in a dating game, um, and I, I did the group date thing, and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm like one bad date away from just buying a bag of cats. And locking the door forever. Why? Because when we throw people in the mix, it complicates our plans. Married people, wouldn't life just be better if our spouses just did what we asked them to do? See, sometimes we can say we do more together, but really we live a life that says we can do more without you. And if you're thinking that I'm the only person in the room that thinks that they can do more without other people, I'm going to show you a video where I am certain that these people woke up and they thought, yeah, I have this. But really, they would have benefited from having a community that spoke life, advice, and guidance into them. Here we go. okay. So this is why I do group fitness is because I'm totally that person that goes to a gym and I'm like, oh yeah, that goes there. This goes here. None of it, none of that. No, none of it goes anywhere. But that, I think that video rings true in so many areas of our life. We wake up and we go out into the world and we think, yeah, we got this. And then we get videoed by a stranger in our gym that's posted on the internet because we can do more together. But sometimes There's some barriers between us doing what we're doing now and doing what we're called to be. So today, that's what we're going to do, is we're going to talk about maybe some myths that we are hanging on to. We're going to read a letter that Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to dig into that in just a second. But we're going to look at some myths that we can pull out from this text. And then we're going to make it super real for us today and we're gonna see some statements that maybe we make. So here's the two things that we're really gonna be doing this whole time. One, if you are not serving somewhere, this'll be a good time to be asking yourselves, why am I not or where can I serve? If you're already serving, this is just a great opportunity just to make sure that we are not operating out of a myth because sometimes when we walk away drained, empty, overwhelmed, sometimes, sometimes, we can be operating from a myth as well. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me give you some backstory. Paul was addressing a group of people that are believers And in this group of people, he has people that have an extremely low self-expectation of themselves, so a really low self-esteem. And then he's dealing with people that have an extremely too high of a self-esteem, you know, those people that have to put others down so they can feel uplifted. So he is trying to have a conversation and get these people on board and bring them along by using a metaphor of the body. And sometimes he was trying to tell them, sometimes we hang on too tightly to myths and we don't plant our feet in truth. In chapter 12, verse 7, here's a great piece of truth that Paul gives us. Now, to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to each person in this room, you have been given a gift to specifically use in whatever circle or groups of friends that you have that only you have been called to use your gifts in. And we've been given that for the common good, or in another translation, for the good of the community. So one of those myths might be, God didn't give us a gift to use for personal gain. God didn't give us a gift to never open and use. If I were to give you a present right now, would you open it? You would. Same is true here, like Paul was saying that you have been given a gift, use it but use it specifically for the common good. If only it stopped there. Let's go ahead and skip down to verses 12 through 14, and we will put this on the screen. And now 12 through 14 is addressing a very specific myth. Let's read it together. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the same spirit to drink. One body, many parts. So it's really subtle in that second half of verse 13 when he talks about being Jews, Gentiles, slave or free. What Paul is saying, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are located socially. You have an important and valuable, powerful role to play And the body of Christ the question is will you participate so the myth that we often hear is God can't use me in your message notes number one this myth is God can't use me some statements that may signal if we are operating out of this myth the first one is I'm too busy Working at this church for the last five years, that's the number one reason we hear is, I am too busy, and I get it. When we were asked to serve in 2009, before I ever had anything figured out about faith or God, I looked at our calendar and I said, babe, we have no margin, no space to put one more thing. That was the one time my husband ever put his foot down in our marriage. Because 10 years later, here we are in a crazy turn of events. We're here. But here's something that I didn't realize, and here's something I think a lot of us don't realize on this side of our no. When we step in feet first and we go all in to wherever God may be calling us to be, even if we don't understand it, and especially if we cannot see what it is we're stepping into, God can use us. He can open doors and He can open our schedules. 10 years later, we are busier, but we have more intentional quality, family moments than we ever did before we served. I can't explain it. I just know that when we serve together, God has the ability to do things in our lives that we just can't explain. We can do more together. And then to some of you, I would say, you really are too busy. There's nothing that you can take off of your plate. There's nothing that you can do to create margin in your life. And then I actually just want to encourage you, if you have ever said you are too busy and you're truly too busy... I need you to think outside of the box. And what I mean by that is this. Church doesn't happen just in this building. If we believe what Paul is saying in verse 7, that we've each been given a gift to use where we are, church happens wherever we go. Serving does not just happen in this building. It is not confined to these walls. Serving can happen wherever you go. Some of you will go out to eat after this. And when you sit down to eat, you'll be thinking the waiter or the waitress is there to serve you. And I would love to argue that point because I would like to think that you are actually serving them. Because when you leave this place and you go sit down to eat, you may be the only encounter that waiter or waitress has with Christ. How are you serving the community for good in that moment? Some of us are too busy. And if that's really you, I just invite you. To be creative. God's given you a gift to use wherever you go. You just have to use it. Another statement that we hear often is I must get right with God first. In your message notes, I must get right with God first. This comes from that mentality that I've been too bad to be used for good now. This comes from the mentality of, I think i'm damaged goods surely god cannot use me and if this is you i really want to invite you to put away that myth and invest yourself in the truth that god can use you now a few weeks ago i was able to hang out with some ladies from a shelter and a pool party was being hosted at this big beautiful home and the friends that own this home said we are just going to commit this building this home to God and use it and so they invited people from the shelter in and as soon as one of the ladies stepped out of the van I was just fascinated with her she really inspired me when she got out she looked at this entire house when she got in the pool she was looking at everything and I probably was that creeper just sitting there going I'm so fascinated with you right now because she had survived things only I can imagine. She had survived domestic abuse. She'd had seasons of homelessness. And as I was sitting there being weird looking at her, she said this really real question. And she said, what's a girl got to do to get here? And I said, oh, she's battling with exactly what Paul says we battle. Sometimes we let our worth and we let our value get wrapped up in the things around us, and we lose sight of the fact that God has given us very specific things in us to serve those around us. Sometimes we minimize ourselves too much, and we were able to have a really real conversation, and I said, listen, where you are located socially, where you have been does not disqualify you from a life of ministry in fact where God has called you is very specific to your story and very specific to who you are and you will have influence over people that I will never meet God can use you right now do you believe it and are you doing it God can use me right now and this next section of verses it's chapter 12 verses 15 through 20 so Paul I just love how Paul writes. He is trying to bring those along that have a low self-esteem. And he is trying to help them understand you've got to stop minimizing yourself. And he gives this metaphor. He says, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. So the foot wants to be a hand. In 16, it says, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That does not make it not part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? So again, sometimes when we have low self-esteem, we get real stuck in the comparison trap. We get stuck looking at our gifts, and we look at our gifts, and then we look at our neighbor's gifts, and we think, I just want their gifts. And so immediately we start maybe saying this myth. The church functions fine without me because they've got all these other people that do all these things. Some statements that may signal that we might be operating out of this myth is I'm not good enough. Men, I've had conversations with men who've lost their jobs. And because their identity was wrapped up in their job, something in them shifts. When they've had failed marriages, something in them shifts. When their spouse makes more money than they do, something in them shifts. But I will tell you that God has specifically called your name, men, to do a job that I would never get a chance to do. Two weeks ago, um, everything was shut down in the building. The band was still tearing down, and people were tearing down chairs in here. Our production team was still here, but a homeless man walked in the door. And he had been obviously drinking, but we were able to open our doors and be here. And as we we heard his story, we had learned that he had been homeless for five days because his wife had kicked him out of the house. She had pulled the ultimatum card. Do you really think he needed a woman (laughs) ministering to him at that moment? No, he did not. But what was so amazing is that from out of the blue, Ron Stock came. From production, Randy Maxey came. And they were able to rally around them. And I saw life happen in Ron and Randy, and I saw life happen in the man that was homeless. And I could see that he was reached and only a way Randy and Ron could do so in that moment. There was four other women here, Men, you were called specifically to a purpose that only you have been called to do. Women, this is what I hear from you. I'm too depressed, I can't serve. I yelled at my kids today, I'm too angry, I can't serve. My favorite one is, Cheyenne, I cuss a little. I don't think you want me serving. And can we just disagree that our mental health our baggage all of our problems can exist in the same place where god wants to use us for a purpose right i mean and i hear stay-at-home moms say oh, i don't have as much influence as a working mom and working moms say i don't have as much time as a stay-at-home mom your title does not disqualify you it does not qualify you god took care of that thousands of years ago on a cross with jesus you have been called specifically to this place to do a job and live a purpose that only God is calling you to do. Do not minimize yourself while you're in the comparison trap. For my friends that do cuss a little, I have, to give you, I have to give you some hope. Like, I have a friend, she's probably sitting in the sanctuary, but she always used to say to me, and I think there's a T-shirt out now, Cheyenne, I cuss a little, but I do love Jesus. And I agree with her on that because for the 10 years that we have been friends, Even when we weren't going to church together, she goes to church here now. Even when we weren't going to church together, I experienced God's love through her. She's brought a Christmas present to my kids when she didn't even know I didn't have the money to buy one more present. Anytime I've said I was sick, she has created like a little oil package for me. She has literally given me and anybody that she knows literally the shirt off of her back. Please remember, serving is not confined to this building. Serving goes wherever you go. We all can serve wherever we are called to serve. Another statement that we hear that may signal the church is fine without me is, this is for my post-church friends, and I can can talk about us because I was a post-church kiddo. That means I was drugged to church as a kid, and I left, and then I came back because what I was doing was not appropriate or functional at all, so I came back to the church. But a lot of times we say, I don't belong. And because I'm post-churched, I feel like I can be really blunt with you. Have you tried? Have you tried to belong? We know that when we feel welcome, it's because we've been invited somewhere. What if for us to feel like we belong it requires us to participate. When I first started coming to church here, this church was really too big for me. I remember walking in to these doors right here saying, Nope! When we went to church in the sanctuary for about eight months, my husband dragged me back over here. And I walked in the doors, and I didn't say nope that time, but I came in with my arms crossed just waiting for the church to disappoint me. Why? Because I was operating out of a myth, too. I was putting God in a box that He couldn't show up, even in other churches where I have not seen Him show up. See, sometimes if we want to belong, we have to participate and see what God has in store for us. Sometimes the only barrier that we have between where we are and where God calls us to be is us. The last statement in this, and I've heard this statement often, um, and it is, I wish I had your gift. Paul is addressing this statement very specifically. Because remember, the foot wants to be a hand, and the ear wants to be an eye. And so immediately, he was addressing people that looked at others and said, I wish I had your gift. And Since you have allowed me to come here and teach ever so often on the weekends, and I know that you allow me to do that, and I I really appreciate that, but I've heard this statement often. I wish God gave me the gift to stand up and speak. And if that is you wishing that you had a gift that you don't have, that you see others have, how do you know you don't have that gift? And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we don't realize we have an ability until we make ourselves available. I failed speech twice. The second, the two F's that I have on my college transcript is in speech. The last speech class I took, I had my paper right in front of me, I was gonna read from it and I looked here and I looked there and I said, nope. (laughs) Cheyenne gets an F and I said, I will never, ever try to stand up and speak in front of people again. And God and in his interesting sense of humor has us here. And I know that it's not because of anything that I do. Just like it's not anything of you do. We just have to make ourselves physically, emotionally and spiritually available before we can maybe even realize the ability that God has given us. Now some people were born at the age of comprehension they knew exactly where God is calling them to be. They knew exactly what God's plan was for them and they set relentlessly forward after it. But I think some people are like me. And it's not until we uncross our arms and say God, how can you use me until he can use us fully. Which leads us to the truth. The church functions better with me. It just does a lot of you are super talented and super gifted? You can do a lot of things on your own. Can you imagine what we can do together? So, this next group of verses is First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 through 26. And I'm sure none of us have ever been this person, but this Paul is addressing people that think too much of themselves. He was addressing people that had too much of a high expectation of themselves. And in fact, he's specifically saying, you guys may be elevating yourself by minimizing other people. And so verse 21 says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with more honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. And so sometimes we do this to ourselves. Again, on the teaching thing, and I'm telling you stories because we all have a story to tell, and we gotta figure out how to tell it so we can minister to the people that God puts in our lives. But so many times, people do put the visible parts, the people that come up here, on a pedestal that we don't put ourselves on. I promise, we are not holier than you. You wanna know what I do when I come up here? I think I would do what anybody would do. I pray, God, please just use me. And I pray that if they see anything good, that they understand that it is of you and it's nothing to do with Cheyenne. Now, if I do something bad and they experience something bad, I'll take credit for that. But if they experience something good, I pray that they know it's you. And then I pray, God, create in me a pure heart so I don't say a bad word. And then I check my fly like a dozen times. Like that's not any holier than anybody But what Paul is saying is that sometimes we designate ourselves as better than other people. And we operate out of this myth. I don't need anyone or anything. Now, if you are serving, this is also a myth that we can kind of filter through our behaviors and through our spirit to see if maybe we are experiencing this too. I don't need anyone or anything. This is where comfort and pride show up. That first statement is, It's not broken. Why fix it? Friends, people are not attending church all around the globe because they have created an amazing, comfortable, good life for themselves. Why would they need to experience God? And I would say you make a really good argument. Why would you need to experience God in a faith community but I think the answer is is that when we come and when we serve together together gives us something that comfort cannot buy and it is an understanding that we have a calling on our life bigger than the one that we can plan dream or imagine and everyone deserves to know that they are part of the body and that they are valuable and that they are important and that they have a part to play even when they don't want to play it comfort can easily silence calling another lens of which i have seen comfort silence calling is in the last decade i have been able to meet a lot of fantastic human beings and these human beings always have this statement in common they say i don't have a story of brokenness addiction." Problems, struggles, strife. So God didn't give me a story to share. And if that is you, I would have to say, are you kidding me? Like you have been able to find your faith. You have been able to find God without your self-destructive behaviors wreaking havoc on God's plan. You have the ability and an amazing gift of faith and wisdom to bring other believers along that only you can do. Will you do it, though? God has placed you specifically and strategically exactly where he has planted you, to do a work only he has called you to do. The last one is, I can do it all. Doers, don't get mad at me. We are one and the same. But this is where pride really comes in. And this is where, if you're serving, you can really check yourself for accuracy. But the I can do it all is a red flag. When we walk in saying we can do it all there's usually an opportunity for God to humble us. And you know, some of us are serving, but if you're walking away drained, not renewed, feeling incomplete, maybe your formula is this, maybe you're not worshiping together. We cannot give from an empty cup together. Maybe you're not growing together in a small group. Where are you thinking and talking deeply about what God is doing in your life or what God's not doing in your life? It's important to grow together. Maybe you're on the wrong serving role. Our next steps area is ready to receive you after this service so you can have a very real conversation about where God may be calling you. And then this is where pride rears its ugliest head. Maybe you're serving for the wrong reasons. So when I was asked to teach for the first time, I had a lot of fears. But the biggest one is, is I battle a huge, Pride monster every day. Does anybody else struggle with pride? And I think that's what Paul is saying right here. Some of us think too much of ourselves in one area and too little of ourselves in another. Like it's silly reasons. Like here's my irrational thing. I think if all of you came at me right now, I could take every one of you. That is not realistic, but that's what Paul is saying that sometimes we think that we are better than we truly are. And so when I was asked to teach I was like, I like attention. I don't like that kind of attention, but I do like attention. And I know that I have a problem with pride. Like God's done a lot in me. He's still got a lot to do, but the last thing I want to do is get in the way of what he's doing by putting me in this place. And so I taught and at the 1150 service, my red flag came up and I said, okay, Cheyenne, you made it because let's be real. If any of us make it, it's not because of anything that we've done. It's because of what God's done through us. At the end of the 1150 service, I was thinking, oh, here comes that pride. And I thought, in the same breath, Cheyenne, you did a good job. There's another red flag, because if we think we do a good job, we've missed the boat. Because it's God that's done a good job through our availability. And I was thinking, oh, God, I just need, before I go home, I just need someone to, even the playing field, just level me out. And a woman came up to me. And she read the verse to me, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 14, that says, women should not speak in public. (laughs) But listen, I feel like a crazy person because I was like, yes! What you did just took guts. I dig it. For you to come up here and say that to me, kudos to you. Thank you for being courageous. But can you go do do it somewhere else, please? That'd be great. (laughs) But here's the thing. It reminded me that if we do something good, it's not because of us. I needed that reminder and my pride could have said a whole lot of things but what what I had done is I put God in a box and I thought maybe maybe my pride is bigger than God and I'm not gonna be able to handle it but we're not the ones handling it like verse seven says each one of us has been given a gift specifically and strategically to minister to a group of people that only we are called to minister to do you believe that are you using that And if you do believe that, then we are living in the truth that we can do more together. See, some of us, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, man, I got some questions about that, but here's what's not going to happen. I'm not going to wait till I figure it out to serve where God may be calling me. Some of us are waiting to move. And to you, I would say we got two options in life. We can either make moves or we can make excuses. And I would rather be in the game making some mistakes with all of my issues and all of my problems and all of my doubts than sitting on the sideline with my excuses. So if you're not serving, what are you waiting for? Community is experienced when you serve. If you're already serving, who are you inviting to serve? We can't do this alone, nor should we. It's not because we need people to serve. It's because we want to see people experience life change when they step into a role that's not their own agenda. Transformation changes us when we serve together. I'm approaching the year of when my mom passed away. This is her table. And I remember when she passed away in my sweet little sleepy town of East Texas, a dear friend said, Cheyenne, I feel so terrible for you. You're all alone in the world. What will you do now? And I remember just looking down and smiling because I knew since I started serving in 2009, there hasn't been a day since then that I doubted that I was alone. And you're not alone either. I knew I had God. Do you know you have God? God. And I knew when I came home, I had you. Like, yeah, it's easier to do things alone, but imagine the possibility of how our life can change and how we can change the lives of others through God if we just did more together. We are our best versions of ourselves when we serve together. There are some things God can't explain to us sitting in a seat, but he can do it when we serve together. Let me pray for you. Gracious God, we just thank you for all the things that you have given us, to do all the things that you call us to do. God, even if we don't know what they are, even if we don't know where you call, God, please help us understand that there is trust to be given that you have specifically called each and every person in this room, to be a minister to those around them that only you have called them to be. So, God, I pray that you give them comfort, that they don't have to know what to say, they just have to show up. I pray that you give them the confidence that they don't have to know how to get everything right, because you're the one that takes care of that, God. We just have to be available. And God, anytime comfort tries to silence our calling, I just pray But they hear you say their name, that you have called them to minister to only a group of people that you have called them to. We love you and we thank you. Amen.